This is an MVP podcast, My Village Productions. Welcome to Unsolved America, a show where we explore unsolved mysteries throughout the United States. I'm your host, Tiffany. And I'm your host, Andy. And each week we will throw a dart at the map and wherever it lands is the location of our mystery. This week I landed on Arizona. Arizona. <laughs> okay. Let's investigate, bro. <laughs> what you got for Arizona? Uh, we are going to talk about, I always pick children and I apologize, <laughs> but she's 11. So okay. not do okay. I need to do a trigger warning? <laughs> no. Okay. Um, we're going to talk about a girl named Mikkel Biggs. Okay. Um, she was, <laughs> she was a bright and gifted student. She was smart. She okay. loved her family. She was creative. She okay. made her family a board game at Christmas. Come through on a roll. What I are know, you doing over right, here, Mikhail? Right. Lots of potential. Yeah. Um, she enjoyed reading and loved art, okay. and she also played the clarinet, which holds a little place in my heart because I used to play clarinet. So did Squidward, so I can relate. I, I don't know how you can relate with that. Uh, <laughs> I was just trying to... I, too, have connections to the clarinet through Squidward <laughs> tentacles. So she was a really educated young lady, okay. um, and she was actually... She knew the concept of stranger danger. Great. Uh, That's fucking fantastic, because right. a lot of these people don't. Uh, even adults. Right. Even adults don't understand the term stranger danger. No, they don't. Um, she's already one up. because she's <laughs> on a roll. Well, and she was smart, so she wasn't easily tricked. She, she, would, she was the type of person, from all accounts, to fight off somebody rather than, you know, just go with somebody. Go with fight versus flight. Yeah. Good. So. Sometimes. On January 2nd, 1999, Mikkel perked up when she thought she heard the music of an ice cream truck around 530 at night. Get you a choco taco. Yeah, right. Um, The 11-year-old immediately decided that she wanted a popsicle and begged her mom for some money. And she and her younger sister, Kimber, then ran outside and the, with two quarters, and they brought the dog with them, their family dog. Okay. Protection. Right. And Mikkel actually hopped on Kimber's bike to go to the street corner. Um, Mikkel, or Kimber just started walking, and which was fine. It was just down the street. Yeah. And they made their way there, and there was a bunch of other children there. Okay. Um, the... <laughs> they all were lured outside by the sound of the music truck. Music truck. The like, ice cream I, truck. I understood what you're saying. <laughs> the music. I mean, as it does, when I was a kid, I would get lit when I heard the ice cream man come through the neighborhood. Amen. I mean, I know some 30-year-olds that still get lit when they hear it. I have not heard one in a very long time. It doesn't come through our neighborhood. Oh, it's that's very sad. sad. Yeah. It used to come in my old neighborhood. I'll, I would give you $3 for a Choco Taco. Or the SpongeBob ice cream. One with the gumball eyes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. After a few minutes, some of the kids started getting restless because there was no sign of the ice cream truck. Oh. And the music wasn't getting any closer. A few of the children gave up and went home. 
And then Mikkel was still determined to get her popsicle, so she stayed. And she started amusing herself by, like, riding her bike around her sister. Um, And then around 5.50, Kimber decided that she didn't want to wait any longer. It was getting cold and dark, and um, it was around 60 degrees, which is, you know, kind of cold for Arizona. Oh, definitely. Uh, At least, like, oven temperatures. Right, 120. Yeah. Uh, so Kimber, who was nine, decided to go home. Uh, mm. And then when she got home, her mom realized that Mikkel wasn't with her. So she told her to go right back out and go be with her sister. So Kimber got a jacket and went right outside. She was only gone for about 90 seconds from leaving the street corner to the house, grabbing a jacket and then going back. I know you ain't about to say Mikkel was gone. And then Mikkel disappeared. In 90 seconds? Right. What? (laughs) That's wild. So as Kimber approached the uh, corner, her initial reaction was sort of annoyed because her sister was not there. And it seemed like Mikkel had thrown the bike to the ground and it was a new bike so and it wasn't hers it was it, w- it was kimber's, it was kimber's bike yeah. and so That's the weird. wheels were still spinning what the fuck so like freshly yeah. nabbed it was like she had just jumped off while it was moving and left it weird and then she started to get a little bit scared well yeah <laughs> and she realized mikkel was nowhere to be seen and then there was actually the two quarters on the ground mm-hmm. uh, where right by the bike. Oh. So Kimber was scared, obviously. So she ran back home and told her mom that she couldn't find Mikkel. So panic ensued, obviously. of course. Um, Tracy Biggs, which was Mikkel's mom, okay. called 911 and reported that her daughter was missing at 6.15. So 5.30... Heard the ice cream truck by 6.15. There was a phone call into 45 minutes. At, yeah. So and police responded immediately. Which is, that's good. Because right. usually they're like, man, you have to be X amount of hours. Right. right. Stupid. <laughs> Which is so stupid. They quickly realized that they were dealing with an abduction. Okay. A reason is on top of it. Yes. So many of these cases, they're like, eh, they probably just ran away. Right. They're fine. Well, and it so it looked from the scene that Mikkel was trying to pedal home, and she was snatched right off of the bike before she got very far. Oh. Yeah. So police and volunteers started conducting a search through the neighborhood that lasted about till 2 a.m. Okay. They used helicopters. Bloodhounds were brought in. Damn. And we're not playing any games today. Right. They they were full force out. Nice. Um, they were trying to determine which way Mikkel went. Okay. Um, unfortunately, though, they were only able to track her scent for a few feet past the discarded bicycle. Okay. Which indicates that probably someone threw her into a vehicle. Yeah. And was taken away. By the next morning, it seemed that everyone in the mess, mess, Mesa, Mesa, Mesa area had heard about Mikkel, mm-hmm. and hundreds of people started showing up in the search. Many from like the local Mormon church mm-hmm. that like, the family attended. Oh, so yeah, 
so okay if you don't know mormons are very family oriented but they are also the most helpful people yeah in the entire world to their community to their well no to everybody to everybody oh I'm, yeah yeah hmm, okay. when i lived in utah i had a pop tire every single car that passed by me stopped to ask me if i needed help well that's nice every single car i've never been around a lot of mormon people so i don't know yeah it's i mean they're very pushy but obviously but they are very nice um, they started passing out flyers. They hung up posters, searched through canals and the orange groves close by. Okay. And over the next week, they distributed more than 50,000 flyers in a 45 square mile radius. Damn. Okay. So police also set up six roadblocks throughout the neighborhood and questioned every single driver that. Entered and exit the area. Yeah. Um, detectives fanned out and spoke with every registered sex offender in the neighborhood. Each okay. one, that, but each one that they spoke to was able to account for the whereabouts and had an alibi. Okay. When Mikkel went missing. When you're this, this might be a, a dumb question, but when you are a sex offender, do you like have to check in with people every now and then? Depends on if you're on probation or not. Hmm. But you have to register as a sex offender and, mm-hmm. like, tell them your address. So I knew that. I was just wondering, because in a lot of these cases, they go to the sex offenders. Mm-hmm. Because it's registered where they're yeah. living. Um, And it just seems like everybody has an alibi. Yeah. And everybody checks out. So it's like, I was just wondering, do people keep tabs on them? or? I think they are probably more... Um, they're probably more aware of trying to remember where they are because Fair. this stuff happens all around in every neighborhood, yeah. every street, whatever. And True. Fair. I mean, I don't know, but in my personal opinion, if I know somebody's going to come to me first, I'm going to tell you exactly where I was and remember where I was. Oh, I'm <laughs> 6.15 p.m. I <laughs> ate a piece of an orange. <laughs> right. Um, Michaela's mom... And the investigators called every ice cream vendor in Mesa as well. Okay. But none of them had trucks in that area. I was good. I was just about to ask, did they have any trucks in the no, neighborhood? They, so, who? that's wild. So, like, you're telling me potentially what's happening right now <laughs> in this neighborhood, right now in this neighborhood. <laughs> this minute. Is that somebody played like a siren call to the children of the ice cream man, and then like all these children ran out, and then out of all these children that were on the street, they they took Mikkel. Yes, that's wild. Well, and so they might have heard something that was like it was far off in the distance, and they just didn't come into that neighborhood because that music can be heard very far away. True. Very far, just to bring them in, like a. Like the sirens they are, <laughs> but it can be heard. It echoes. Okay, fair. With the fair. amplifiers. But so they think that it, again, it was something that was very far away. Okay. Um, so they con- continue to canvas the Mesa area and they started checking garbage cans, and oh, dumpsters, no. and sheds, and backyards. And they spoke with each resident at least once. But most of them hadn't seen anything unusual Okay. that night. A few people mentioned seeing a copper-colored Jeep leaving the area around the time that Mikkel disappeared. And after police told the public that they were searching for uh, the vehicle, more than 300 tips were called in about it. Damn. 
Right. One caller reported seeing a a Jeep pulling over in the desert in the northeast of Mesa. More than 100 deputies from Maricopa County were sent to that area. Okay. And they spent over 24 hours combing through the desert terrain. But okay. But found nothing. The owner of the copper-colored Jeep was eventually identified and cleared of any involvement okay. in the case. So shortly after Michaela's disappearance, an email was sent to her father from a person claiming to be Michaela's abductor. Oh. He said he was willing to return her for a ransom. So obviously... Doc, the detectives were all over that yeah. message, and they found it was from somebody in the Phoenix area. Okay. And after they went all full force, they did an aerial surveillance of this place. Okay. Um, a SWAT team arrived. Nice. And turns out it was a 12-year-old ba- boy playing a cruel hoax. That's fucked up. On this family. And there was no involvement in Like whatsoever. Dis- no. Ah, damn. Um, so each day, the search area started to expand. Okay. Deputies used bloodhounds, ATVs, and horses to search through the desert and around the lake and the mountain and the mountains all around there. Okay. Um, they found nothing that pertained to the investigation, unfortunately. Detectives investigated a rumor that Mikkel had been the victim of a hit-and-run driver who panicked and hid her body. Oh, no. Okay. But determined that was unlikely. Well, yeah, there was no damage to the bike, I imagine. Right. There was no damage. There was no blood on the ground or anything. And that's exactly what they said. There was no damage to the bike. There was uh, no car parts, no blood on the ground, all of those things. And so... That wasn't feasible. Uh, and then the area, Mesa had always been, like, considered to be safe. Okay. Because it's a smaller town. Yeah. Um, they always had children playing in the streets. But now all of the parents were keeping the children at home, closing of the doors, course. locking the doors. That's also wild to me, the, like, when you hear, town like, stories about, like, Oh, this crime happened and people started locking their doors. And it's like, you didn't lock your doors to begin with? Kyle's like that. Kyle hates locking doors. I don't like if he leaves and I lock the garage door and he comes back and he and it's locked or whatever, he's like, Why did you lock the door? And I'm like, because that's what normal people do. They lock the fucking door. <laughs> I don't lock my garage door. I do. But I definitely I learned it the first day I moved to Colorado after living in Utah, because I like got out of my car to go buy something from the gas station mm-hmm. and i think i left my car running or because i used to do that all the time mm-hmm. in utah no one would take my car in utah yeah but i came back and my car door was open and i was just like got it got it <laughs> cool yeah. cool that's funny um so a month after mikhail disappeared there was still little progress in her disappearance. Okay. Um, tips started to dwindle down. So then the police decided that they were going to announce a $60,000 reward. Okay. For any 
information leading to Mikkel and her abductor. Even though the large amount of money was being offered, it failed to bring in any Ah. sort of information. Damn it. With no witnesses to the abduction, no suspects, the police grew desperate and were trying to find answers. So they started using information gathered from psychics. Fun. I love when our stories have psychics. (laughs) Tell me more. I know you do. Um, They asked nearly a dozen Mesa residents to submit voluntary searches of their homes and properties because of these psychics. Okay. And then detectives admitted that they normally wouldn't rely on psychics. but Obviously. When a child, quote, when a child's life is at stake, they were willing to try anything. Have no choice. Right. Yeah. Um, all but one of the homeowners that they were searching said no. Con- well, they all consented. Consented except for this one. Yeah. Um. Wild. <laughs> it was him. Arrest him. Oh, okay. We're we're done with the case. Case we found it. closed. Yeah. <laughs> Um, none of the searches, though, turned up anything. and Especially that one they didn't do. The one uncooperative mm-hmm. homeowner was not considered to be a suspect. Why? I, I don't know. Why aren't you going to let me search your home, then, if you had no involvement? <laughs> I know. Everybody else let me search their home, so why aren't you letting me search your home, sir? I'm sure there was some sort of contraband in there that... Marijuana. <laughs> Well, it was Arizona. I was just literally nothing but turquoise and marijuana. Uh. <laughs> um, so with all of these leads, they started to exhaust it. All of these leads and these homeowners and they started re-interviewing neighbors and all of this, which was not turning up anything. And they weren't able to just develop any other leads. And so... As 1999 grew to a close, uh, the case was Y2K. essentially... Y2K. Y2K. That's what they were worried about. No, mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. The case was essentially cold at this point. Yeah. Um, but, of course, detectives refused to give up. They promised that they were going to keep at it until they found their daughter. But okay. there were still no substantial theories. Got it. Um. They distributed Mikkel's picture and information, and they it was actually mailed out to over 80 million houses. Okay. Um, over the U.S., not just in oh, Arizona. Damn. Yeah. And they were hopeful that something would come up from yeah. this. And then the police started questioning thousands of residents again and interviewed more than 500 psychics. Jesus. Take the wheel. <laughs> too many psychics. They spoke with every single ice cream vendor they could in the state of Arizona. Got it. And they followed up on potential sightings or tips that came in okay. about sightings, which was more than 7,000. And then they had, like, searches and dug through 40... Uh, abandoned mine shafts and so they were really trying hard to figure out what happened Mm -hmm. um they also looked into the possibility that mikhail was 
put into a sex or a human trafficking ring in Mexico. And oh, you know, I mean, Arizona is close to Mexico, but yeah, they didn't. There was nothing to back that up. And so by May 2000, um, the police department had spent more time and money on this investigation than any other case that they were ever involved in. Oh, wow. Yet they still didn't have anything to show for it. Yeah. It's a bunch of dead ends. Mm -hmm. They continued to follow up on leads, but they admitted that they were no longer receiving any tips about the case. And so the investigation just went to a standstill. Okay. Um, Mikhail's parents made a public plea for information on the second anniversary of their daughter's disappearance. Uh, they were sure that somebody in the community had to know something. Mm -hmm. But again, nothing came of it. Okay. A psychologist noted that most sex offenders tend to go through periods of remorse especially around the holidays or the anniversary dates of their crimes. That's true. And so they asked for the offender to come forward, get treatment, and finally end the family's agonizing wait for information. Damn, okay. So obviously nothing happened again. Her missing posters could still be seen all over Arizona and beyond. Okay. But the case had fallen out of headlines because it had been so long. Well, that's what, like, a lot of things, too, that we've learned with these cases is that if the media isn't involved mm -hmm. in a case, a lot of times they don't get anywhere yeah. with finding information because right. the, the information is not getting out there. But obviously this one, it sounded like they were getting the word out, but just no substantial lead was ever brought mm -hmm. up. Well, so the parents... <clears throat> Then started to announce that they didn't think Mikkel was no longer alive. And they were okay. fairly certain that they knew who was responsible for her death. Oh. They named one of the registered sex offenders that the officers had questioned. And the police continued to maintain that the man had not been a suspect despite okay. the Biggs family's belief okay. that he was involved. Why did they think that he was involved, though? So the man, his name was D. Blalick. Okay. He lived just two blocks away from Mikkel. He had likely seen her around the neighborhood. She took piano lessons at a home next to his. Okay. Um, after her disappearance, he participated in the search for her and, in and went to several vigils held in the neighborhood. Police were aware of his past, but he also had convictions in three different states, including things I won't mention at this moment, but yeah. stuff to do with children. They did question him for hours and just hours after Mikkel was, went missing. Okay. And they found nothing. So nine months after Mikkel's disappearance, uh, Dee was actually arrested after a violent attack on a female neighbor. Okay. Uh, he had been waiting in her house when she returned home one night. Oh, great. And put her in a chokehold and beat it, beat her and everything else under the sun. Mm -hmm. He'd most likely believed that the woman was dead, but she regained consciousness after he left and was able to identify him to police. Okay. Um, she told the police 
that she believed he might have been the person responsible for taking the kill. And they never found any evidence linking him to Mikkel's case. Okay. But he's currently serving a life sentence for the attack on this woman, on this neighbor. Good. Right. And so years and years pass by. Mm -hmm. And in March of 2018, so just recently, the case resurfaced in headlines after someone found a dollar bill in Wisconsin that had a handwritten note from someone claiming to be Mikkel. Around the edge of the dollar, someone had printed, My name is Mikkel Biggs, kidnapped from Mesa, Arizona. I'm alive. The dollar bill had been printed in 2009. Okay. So nine, ten years after the abduction. Yeah. So Mikkel would have been 21 years old at the time that this dollar bill was made. Yeah. Um, uh, but the writing looks like it was actually written by a child. And her first name was spelled wrong. Mm. So for these reasons, the detectives didn't really look into it and just thought it was a hoax. Yeah. There's virtually no way to trace where this dollar bill went or came from or how it appeared. And because it appeared in Wisconsin. Mm. So Mikhail's case is still considered active and unsolved. And they're uncertain if she's alive or dead. Yeah. At this point. Um. And still the parents believe that Dee was the perpetrator and was the one that abducted their daughter. Okay. Um, But Mm. they just want to bring her home and give her a proper burial. Yeah. If she has passed away. Again, McKenna was 11 years old when she went missing in 1999. She had brown hair, hazel eyes, and at the time of her disappearance was four foot eight inches tall and weighed about 85 pounds. She was last seen wearing bell-bottom style blue jeans with embroidered seams running down the side of each leg and a red t-shirt and white canvas shoes. She had several moles on the side of her neck and her ears were pierced. If you have any information, please reach out to the Mesa Police Department. Damn. That sucks. I know. And it's it sucks because we don't know anything. There was no evidence at all. Yeah. There was no leads. There was not even, like, even though the family or this neighbor were trying to point the finger at this other neighbor, we don't know if that's true. There was nothing showcasing that this D person was involved. Truly. Well, and it's interesting to me because there were so many other kids out at the time, too, that, one, why Mikhail? She was the last one. All the kids started going home. Mm. The kids were getting cold. They were getting restless. The The ice cream truck wasn't coming around. Uh, and she just wanted her popsicle. Damn. It just is crazy to me that in 90 seconds. He, that, too, is, is very, very wild. Mm-hmm. In fact, like, she literally just walked home. Mom said, oh, no, go go be with your sister. She grabbed a coat, went back outside, gone. Right. And it's not like they were two, three blocks away. They were literally like. Down the street. Yeah. I mean, in 90 seconds, if she's claiming 90 seconds, it had to be like two, three houses. Mm-hmm. If that. Yeah. Well, and it brings up like a valid point you said. Was somebody just playing this music to lure children out? That's what. Yeah. Especially if they. If the ice cream company said, no, we didn't have any trucks in that area at the time, like, 
to me, it seems like we were luring children out to begin with. Well, and there had to have been somebody just watching to mm-hmm. wait until all the other children have left. Yeah. To grab one child. Yeah. So sad. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to this episode of Unsolved America. Head on over to Facebook and follow us at Unsolved America MVP. And be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform. If you need to contact us, please email unsolvedamericamvp at gmail.com. We'll talk to you next week. This has been an MVP podcast, My Village Productions.